Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 154 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Professor Michael Roy. Michael Roy, PhD, is Professor of Economic Sociology and Social Policy at the Unicenter for Social Business and Health, Glasgow Caledonian University in the UK. Professor Roy has specific expertise in studying the health and well-being impacts of social enterprise-led activity, publishing extensively on this topic in major international scientific journals, such as Social Science and Medicine and Public Management Review. He has also written on policy ecosystems of support for social enterprise and on social impact bonds, which is the subject of a recent paper in Stanford Social Innovation Review. He's program leader for a master's program in social innovation, which attracts students from all around the world, and he's participated in a wide variety of panels and conferences internationally, including the US, Canada, Australia, New Zealand, Malaysia, Thailand, India, and all across Europe. Professor Roy's research has been funded by the OECD, the ILO, the European Commission, the UK's Medical Research Council, and Economic and Social Research Council, Employment and Social Development Canada, the Scottish Government, and the Swiss Government. He's participated at conferences on the social economy at the invitation of both the Italian Government and the Slovak Government on the occasion of their presidents of the EU Council. He is Deputy Editor-in-Chief for the Social Enterprise Journal and is on the board of Voluntas, the international journey of voluntary and non-profit organisations. He was awarded the Helen Potter Award of Special Recognition for 2017 by the Association of Social Economics based in the USA. So on today's podcast, we'll discuss Michael's views on the current state of the social enterprise sector globally. We'll get Michael's insights and perspective on social innovation opportunities, and we'll hear what Michael believes can be done by governments and social entrepreneurs to create stronger opportunities for positive social change. So Michael, thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, Tom. It's my pleasure, Michael. So to kick things off, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you to working in academia and the social enterprise sector? Well, it's a a long and tortuous kind of journey to where I am today, but um, I was a civil servant for many years, civil servant for over a decade, and I worked in various areas of economic development and uh, skills and science and and all sorts of areas like that. Then I left the government and actually set up and ran a social enterprise for a while. Um, I was interested in the model, and I I had a really interesting time, and uh, uh, it was a really challenging periods of my life and uh, one of the things that that I found was that I was uh, working closely with the local government in the area and the the challenges 
terms of working with local government and social enterprise are really quite fascinating, particularly since it didn't go very smoothly um, mm. at all. <laughs> <laughs> and But it was the, the challenges of that particular period that um, eventually led me to academia and to to, I went back and did a master's, um, first of all, in social research, and then uh, I was invited to apply for a PhD scholarship uh, on mm. the topic of social enterprise at the, the newly constituted uh, Unis Centre for Social Business and Health at uh, Glasgow Caledonian. So this was back in 2010, 2011. Mm, uh, so fast forward today, um, I'm still working in the area and still still enjoying it, still loving it. Uh, yeah. Wonderful. So, so tell us a little bit more about what you're doing at the moment. You're Professor of Economic Sociology and Social Policy at the Unis Centre for Social Business and Health. So what types of projects and research are you involved in? A real variety of projects, actually. There's a number. We, we've actually just finished a large, a major project funded by the UK's Medical Research Council and Economic and Social Research Council, which are kind of blue chip funders of research mm. uh, in the UK. Uh, that was on the health and well-being impacts or establishing methods to to um, evaluate social enterprise as a health and well-being intervention or, or initiative, if you like. I'm not keen on the word intervention because it denotes doing stuff to people. Mm. But we, we really focused on the idea of social enterprise, community-owned, community-based social enterprises and how the impact on the health and well-being of particularly vulnerable people uh, in, in communities. So that was mm. actually a major program of research. It was a five-year program um, and it literally finished just a couple of months ago so right. we're really drawing breath on that one at the moment and looking at our way forward uh, in terms of where we go next um, both with that research but also with a with, with other um, streams of research as well um, yeah so a whole variety of different projects yeah well that sounds like a like a really really big one to, to sink your teeth into I'm yeah. sure you it was it was Tom it was one of the largest uh, social enterprise projects I think there's been it was it's worth around two million pounds which is a, a just just shy of four million dollars so mm. it was a, a really significant a huge project yeah yeah wow so there would have been a lot of learnings from that and you've you have worked with government as well so yeah. looking at social enterprise then from a policy perspective Michael what do you believe are some of the key steps that government need to take to help foster and support an innovative social sector? I don't think there's, from my experience, there's no one-size-fits-all solution. I think um, people, particularly governments, uh, like to go around the world collecting policies and uh, looking at best practice and what works in one particular area and applying it to their own. Mm. And indeed, that's a lot how uh, it explains a lot in terms of how social enterprise or social social policy, frankly, has travelled around the world. Social policy ideas yeah. is often by individuals going to different countries and saying, oh, that, that seems like a good idea. I think we'll do that here. Mm. So, but I do think, however, there are a number of different things that governments can do in terms of creating a, um, a supportive environment um, for, for social enterprise or, um, or, you said, an innovative social sector, but I suppose the social enterprise sector. For example, access to finance is a big important um, factor, frankly, particularly not just in the startup phase, but um, and very often there's a lot of um, emphasis placed upon the startup phase, but also at uh, key phases along their life course or mm. life um, or development of the, 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 the enterprise itself. 
So when they, they're looking to kind of commercialise an idea uh, and start up a business, but also in terms of accessing different markets, yeah. um, or it might be around internationalising the, 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 the offering, or it might be around access to different markets, uh, whether nationally or internationally, or it might be how to measure impact, that sort of thing. So I suppose a system support, but at key stages along the along the, the I'm hesitant to use the word pipeline here, yeah. but um, to to use along the, the the life stage of the enterprise itself, and in terms of the variety of different products and processes, uh, the various services they provide along the way. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. So you've you've had exposure to a lot of social entrepreneurs, Michael, and you've been a social entrepreneur yourself. So what do you see as some of the most important traits of successful social entrepreneurs? Now, again, there's no one size fits all. Um, what we do find is uh, very often the social entrepreneurs are quite unreasonable people, frankly, and um, <laughs> uh, find that the, the power of unreasonable people often gets uh, gets things done. Yeah. But I often find the, the, the ones that are able to retain one foot in the communities, they basically are there to serve. So those that are, have empathy, they obviously they have business skills and they have expertise in a variety of, of different areas. Mm. Uh, but, but generally speaking, empathy is the most important trait, I think. Uh, and also they need to be mavens, they need to be bridges, they need to be boundary spanners, they need to be signposters. Of course, they need to be experts in their own particular area. But in actual fact, what's far more important is that they, they know someone who knows someone, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So they're able to connect people from 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 disparate uh, areas uh, uh, together and I think that's probably the most important trait um, I think that um, obviously it's important in order to to make a cogent case for you know someone supporting their business idea but in yeah. actual fact if you if you are a people person then inevitably that that will that will iron out some of the weaknesses uh, in any business plan frankly so because we often hear that people invest in people, yeah. And I think that that is absolutely the case when it comes to uh, social enterprise. Mm, yep, absolutely. Some great insights there, Michael. So you spoke a little bit about empathy and, and you know, being these bridges in the community as well. So would you say then that a common reason you believe social enterprises might fail is simply a lack of that? Or are there, are there any other sort of key elements that you think might come to play? Yeah, I think a lack of that and I think connected to that is we often... We have this notion called uh, mission drift in yeah. social enterprise, uh, ac academic speak, where effectively enterprises reach a certain a certain size, and then it's all about um, feeding the beast. It's yeah. all about keeping them going rather than rather than focusing back upon the mission they were set up to start with in the first place. Yeah, and I think mission drift is a is a is a big uh, factor in, in in social enterprises. If not failing, then failing to maintain their mission, you know, and effectively they stop being social enterprises, if you like. Mm. They might call themselves social enterprises, they might wear the clothes of social enterprises, but yeah. if they're doing nothing else other than what every other enterprise, uh, mainstream enterprise does, then it begs the question of whether they're, they're, they're really really social enterprises after all. Yeah. There's also another thing called, I'm going to get really technical now, um, it relates to when social enterprises work particularly with the public sector we, we see this an awful lot and it's something called institutional isomorphism mm. uh, so effectively that means they start wearing the clothes they start looking like just another part of the public sector they they, they start putting into place systems they start um, 
professionalising, and before you know it, they they are effectively another part of the public sector. Um, so they need to maintain their independence. Social enterprises need to maintain their their focus on their mission, and if they can do that, I think that they can. You know, and of course, there's a million and one other th- other reasons why social enterprises fail. But I think um, those are the two main things that, that certainly I've seen that are the, the the main pitfalls when it comes to 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 social enterprises. Mm, there's some great reflections there. You're speaking from Glasgow at the moment, and country which I believe Scotland being you know one of the leaders of social enterprise in the world, Michael. And in fact, we met over there last year at the Social Enterprise World Forum, where you led the academic symposium. So being placed sort of at the epicenter of social enterprise, at least in my opinion, are there any countries that you believe are really leading the charge when it comes to social innovation? And if so, what are they doing that you think Australia and other countries around the world could adopt? Well, I think that Scotland is probably the best country in the world at selling itself as being the best country in the world at doing social enterprise. I genuinely think that there's no one country that's leading the, the charge. Um, uh, but I do think, obviously, there are a variety of, of things that Scotland have done that are, that are really uh, interesting in terms of a 10-year social enterprise strategy, co-developed, co-designed and uh, co-owned by the sector itself. Mm. Um, I think that's a really valuable thing to have a, a, a strategic um, direction which is shared, uh, a vision which is shared by both the sector and government. Yeah. But I also think uh, a number of uh, other countries are doing, if not exactly the same thing, then, for example, people often look at Quebec, for example, uh, as being one of the, 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 the main countries, particularly in terms of the social and solidarity economy, yeah. uh, particularly social economy tra- tradition. And I do think there is something around a country like Scotland or like Quebec, which ironically are actually the vision that they've come come up with for social enterprise is often created as a as a reaction to forces which they're not altogether happy with in terms of a kind of neoliberal uh, economic model if you Mm. like and it's it's around focusing uh, on the importance of community and it's not just about you know a, a charismatic heroic Usually, male social entrepreneur. Yeah. It's all about people working, working as uh, as a collective, and uh, prevent uh, and coming up with an alternative vision for social enterprise, which which goes with the grain of the the, the, the national culture or the culture that they want to inculcate, if you like. So it's, Scotland sees itself as a progressive, modern nation, and therefore it wants social enterprise um, to reflect that, and it wants um, it to be reflected in social enterprise, if you like. Mm. So Quebec has a similar mission, I think, as well. But to be fair, there's lots of really good stuff that's happening all over the world, so particularly the Italian social cooperatives, yeah. um, the Mondragon in Spain. Spain yeah. um, there's some really um, excellent stuff that came out of Canada, for example, in the 1920s and 30s around the Antigonish movement, which which um, precipitated the, the creation of social cooperatives um, and uh, cooperatives of credit unions, etc., across the whole of North America. Mm. There's some really excellent um, uh, examples in North America, uh, particularly in the States, uh, around co-ops and and credit unions that we don't really get to hear about because they're not they're they're really isolated if you like they're not yeah. part of the mainstream uh, narrative. So I don't think there's one uh, as I said uh, and I'm, uh, perhaps I'm being modest on Scotland's behalf, but I don't think we have all the answers. Um, I, I do think there's still lots to learn from from, from all pockets of countries. So, yeah, you yeah. and I were over in 
in New Zealand, for example. I think, were you in, were you in New Zealand, Tom? No. For my, the Social my, Enterprise World Forum? I would have loved to have been there. But my wife was giving birth, so so we were, right. we, we were, we were happily yeah. welcoming another member to the family. Oh, right, I see. Well, we, we saw some really awesome stuff happening in New Zealand, for example. The indigenous communities have been doing social enterprise-like yeah. stuff for you know hundreds, if not thousands of years. So I still think there's plenty we could learn from from indigenous communities as well that we really, we really need to, to, to become more equipped to learning from, from, from other cultures, other countries. Mm, yeah, that's some excellent insights there, Michael. So what inspiring projects or initiatives have you come across then recently which you believe are creating some great positive social change? Wow, that's, a, that's, that's actually a tough question, Tom. We come across so many different enterprises almost every day. There's a really cool uh, social enterprise that's been founded in Glasgow called Lingo Flamingo, it's called. Mm. Um, it's really nice. It's uh, some really, uh, Robbie Norville is a guy who's, yeah. who's leading that. Um, um, so, and they're focusing on people, um, older people um, who have dementia or at risk of dementia. And they're teaching them foreign languages. So they think there's a lot of um, good research which says that um, learning a foreign language, and particularly later in life, helps prevent the onset of dementia. Mm. And it, it obviously helps um, somehow in terms of the. Now I'm not. A, I'm not a, a brain scientist here, so it helps with the connections in the brain, I suppose, and maintains those and helps keeps the keeps our minds active and healthy. Yeah. So they're, they're, he's doing some wonderful stuff here, and I've really got a lot of time for Lingo Flamingo. Mm, yeah, Robbie's a, a really inspiring guy, that's for sure. And those programs sound like they're they're creating some some great change with those elderly people. To finish off, then, Michael, as an author yourself, what books would you recommend to our listeners? Well, I'm obviously a researcher, so I, I I'm quite dull when it comes to to to, to books. Um, I I I would always recommend um, a good textbook and. I don't think there's any other there's any better textbook on social enterprise than the book by my colleagues uh, uh, Rory Ridley Duff and Mike Bull and in Understanding Social Enterprise. Um, mm. It's on to the second edition now, and um, I think they'll be working on the third edition. If if they're not working on the third edition, I think they will be uh, soon. Uh, and Rory and Mike are great guys. Yeah. And um, the other book that's coming out is actually one that's coming out. So if you look out for it, um, because I have a chapter in it on social enterprise ecosystems with my colleague Richard Hazenberg. Mm. Um, we, it's called a research agenda for social entrepreneurship, and it's uh, been published by Edward Elgar, and it should be out in 2019. Brilliant. So it's a collection of, it's an edited collection. So effectively, it's. Um, collection of chapters with a whole host of really leading lights in the social enterprise social uh, entrepreneurship academia so there's some some really good uh, chapters by a variety of really excellent scholars but that, that's by Anne de Bruin um, uh, who's who's uh, in, a New Zealand scholar she, um, and uh, my colleague Simon Teasdale who I share an office with mm. so Anne de Bruin, de Bruin and Teasdale a research agenda for social entrepreneurship uh, is coming out soon Brilliant. Well, I'll stick some links to them at the bottom of the article so that people can click on through. But Michael, there's been some great insights that you've shared today. So thanks so much for sharing your time with us and, and your experience. And we'll certainly look forward to tracking your journey as you continue forward. Well, thank you very much, Tom. It's been a pleasure to talk to you uh, today. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. 
please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter. Thank you.